Child, things are gonna get easier. Ooh, child, things will get brighter. Ooh, child, things are gonna get easier. Thank you for listening to the ESBC Motivational Podcast, where in this podcast, my wife's a psychotherapist, but all of us need uh, basic mental health skills to help those around us and help ourselves. And one of the mental health tricks that I've used throughout the years is reading a biography or sitting down with somebody uh, around you that's, that's successful, that's positive, you know, that, that has great things going moving forward. And we're very lucky, uh, privileged, and good to have a successful actress uh, who's conquering Hollywood, uh, who's worked for the greatest, Sarah Lynn Robinson. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me. And a million girls would kill for your career. how what what's the main ingredient that you've done it? I know you started at uh, uh, the musical theater in Chicago, right? Mm-hmm. Roosevelt yeah. University. How mm-hmm. have you, you know? We'll go. Uh, uh, we'll give people the end first, and then we'll go backwards. But looking at it, all these great auditions you've been in, all the that you've won, mm-hmm. you're a winner, right? When you look at your background, Sarah Lynn Robinson wins, and <laughs> 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 she wins consistently. Uh, looking back, how how have you done it? What what, what have been the main ingredients? Um, yeah, I mean, this is uh, this is not an easy career path. I I had a lot of people tell me when I was starting out, if there's anything else you could or would want to do, do that instead. Right. Um, so I think that's you know I think that's good advice. But um, yeah, I think for me the really the secret has been. Um, not giving up on myself, you know, there, the first few years I was out here, I really wasn't doing much of anything. Um, and yeah, it was really hard. And I've worked a lot of, um, a lot of really shitty menial jobs. Right. And, um, yeah. And I think those, uh, at the time, maybe I didn't, I couldn't make sense of it, but they have become, um, the building blocks that have gotten me where I am today and have made me who I am today. Um, so, uh, so it's important, but also, also important to know your worth and not, um, you know, not stick around for, for just any job. Um, but you know, that if you want it, especially in, uh, LA in Hollywood, um, to just stick it out. Uh, cause I think that's, that's half the battle is just staying here and making yourself available. Right. They say the winners between yeah. losers is that the losers quit five minutes ago. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. You had a great start. Yeah, yeah. Um, My background is mostly in theater. So everything else that I've done is is, um, newer. And I've only been here actually four years. Um, But yeah, that's what it takes people to get. Usually people come here six months and leave. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Well, yeah, I mean, that's, that's what I mean. Like, if you if you can have that, that stick to um, eventually, people are going to take a chance on you. But I think a lot of people don't, uh, don't stick around to give themselves that opportunity. 
So how was Roosevelt University like? How was that like from you? And, wh and what did you take from you that you use today? Yeah, um, yeah, that was a great experience. I met some of some of uh, people who are still my best friends today. Um, so it was amazing. I moved there, you know, moved to downtown Chicago at 17 years old. Wow. Um, it was an incredible, yeah. So it was definitely culture shock, you know, coming from the suburbs of Denver to, you know, downtown Chicago. Um, but it was amazing. I wouldn't, wouldn't trade it for the world. Um, I will say I, I definitely would have done some things, um, differently. All of us uh, would when we're Yeah, uh, right, right. Uh, yeah. So, I mean, I guess I, I can't hold that, uh, against myself. Right. Um, but yeah, it was an, it was an amazing place. Um, well, the fact that you're alive, you went to downtown Chicago, there's like 200 murders <laughs> there a week. Uh, you know, I never, people always say that I have felt far more unsafe in LA than I ever did in Chicago. I still, oh, wow. I didn't grow up in Chicago, but right. I, it feels like my home. I moved here from Chicago. I spent eight years there. Um, yeah, I never had, and I lived all over. I lived in, in really safe family neighborhoods. I lived in some really sketchy neighborhoods. I was across right. from a, um, a methadone clinic for a year. Oh, you know, wow. it's, yeah, yeah, I was in a, yeah, I was, I was in a sketchier, uh, sketchier part of uptown, but, um, I never felt unsafe there. It's, it's everyone is just so warm and so willing to, to help you out. That has not always been my experience in LA. Um, right. so I really, really love Chicago and my time there. Um, and I would tell anyone starting out, if you don't feel quite ready to go to New York or LA, um, I think Chicago is a great place to start, especially if you want to explore comedy. Yeah. And Chicago in a lot of ways reminds me of Boston, Boston, mm -hmm. I live there. It, it's a big city. You get mm -hmm. everything you want in a big city, but it kind of felt like it had a small town vibe, it had a small yeah. town thing to it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, it's just that that midwestern charm. Right. Um, yeah, and, I really a lot I really of midwestern that. people go that are cool. They're from a farm or from a little town. Mm -hmm. They all move to Chicago because there's no jobs in the middle of right. Iowa or Wisconsin or right. Yeah, yeah, but it's just such a such a warm and friendly and and open minded place. I really loved even more so than my college. I really loved my my time in Chicago and still say that it's it's my home and I still try to go back once a year or so. One thing that always fascinates me and I love, uh, cause my dad's Pentecostal preacher, so my sister. Oh. And all, so I always thought it was interesting, the Pentecostal church and then people that come from there, like Obama, who's a great performer, mm -hmm. uh, Elvis Presley, mm -hmm. great performer. A lot of uh, great performers come from the Pentecostal church and mm -hmm. the Pentecostal church is based on improv. So that really intrigues me about your background that you're a graduate of Second City. Yeah. Yeah, um, that's interesting. The the um tie into the church. I hadn't really uh thought about that right. as as you know, having uh, like Second a City, background, but uh big pipeline to Center Night Live. Yeah. Big pipeline yeah, to absolutely. the comedy store. Uh we mm -hmm. had Jeff um Plight. Uh he's also Second City comedy guy yeah. right, for late night TV. Because mm -hmm. it's that magic, that spark yeah. of having that balance where you're prepared, you've read, but you're not highly scripted, right? It's like when mm -hmm. Trump gets on the telep <laughs> teleprompter, he's not himself to his base right. when, he's, when he's at a living. Right, right. Yeah, that was, that was amazing time I spent two years there. 
um, writing and performing. And um, yeah, that was really, I, I kind of call that my second um, formal, you know, college education. It felt like right. getting a second degree. And, you know, similarly, I'm still in touch with everyone who is in my little graduating class and oh, nice. you go through so much together. Yeah. So we're really tied and a couple of us are out here, um, you know, writing or, or working, you know, various jobs out here. Um, so yeah, it was, I would recommend that to anyone, even just if you're, if you're new to the city and you're trying to put down roots. Um, yeah, and it was great. It looks great on a resume and it's good for, for networking too. I did find it interesting, however, that, uh, it doesn't really carry the same clout in LA as it did in Chicago. Um, I think, yeah, for whatever reason, second city Hollywood doesn't really translate. Um, and then we also you know, had, you had iconic people like uh, Steve Martin, people like that who've done yeah. great movies in LA that are second yeah. like Dan Aykroyd. Yeah, not too far from here. Yeah, yeah. I mean it's yeah, it's such a it's such a legacy and it's such right. a storied place. But I don't think people attach that to Second City Hollywood. Um, they think of that as, as Chicago. So it's, when I say I do, um, when I say I did second city, I feel like it, I, I don't know, it just doesn't, it doesn't really carry. Whereas in Chicago, that was, right. I think like the place to be of the, you know, three big improv theaters that we have. Um, so right. that's interesting, but it was a great, it was a great experience. Yeah. Cause it's interesting, you know, you know Chicago to LA, then LA to New York. Second City is more of a Chicago to New York, mm -hmm. maybe back to LA, because yeah. you look at the people from Friends, you know, they they've had improv theaters in Chicago. The one guy owns a improv theater in Chicago, and it's from Second City. So it's interesting. Yeah. Mm -hmm. it's interesting. But yeah, uh, in the videos I've seen of you, you have that spark. I, I don't know. I saw one video where you're just like, "Boom, Tallahassee," and I was like, "Man, boom, that's." that spark, <laughs> you know, from <laughs> improv and stuff like yeah. that. And, and I thought that was really cool. Yeah. Uh, I mean, honestly, I would recommend that. it to anyone, even if you don't want to be on stage or you don't want, you know, I never really wanted to do comedy. I was, I was a, you know, theater and musical theater girl. And, um, I really just fell into it. Uh, I started doing, I did a comedic musical actually about the 2011 NBA lockout. Oh, no um, way. <laughs> yeah, written by a good friend of mine. So it was like, it was so funny and it was so well written and it was, it, right. it was like such a cool, like niche audience that we had. Right. Um, but I, it was like half comedians and half, you know, th true theater people who had grown right. up, you know, knew every word to lame is whatever. And that's the kind of, you know, person and, and kid that I had been. Um, so we had this really cool mix and I hadn't really worked with comedians before. Um, you know, all of my friends were, were like true theater people from, from the time that we were young. Um, so yeah, we all got really tight and a bunch of them had come through, you know, the three big ones are Improv Olympic, which has just recently shut down actually because of, um, because of COVID, but, right. uh, and then Second City and then Annoyance, those were the three big ones in Chicago. And um, so many people had been through um, one or more of their programs. So I auditioned kind of on a whim, not thinking I, um, I would get in and somehow I did. And then you have to audition a second time and somehow I made it through that too. Um, and yeah, I wound up kind of focusing my career toward that. And then it also really gave me a, I've always loved writing, but it gave me, um, kind of streamlined my, my love of comedic writing as well. So that was really interesting, but I would recommend it for, for anyone, even if you don't have, uh, an interest in that background at all. I think it's good. It's just a good skill set to have. 
So you're a well-rounded a- actress. So you can do like Shakespeare, you can do period pieces, <laughs> you can do comedy. You also write as well. Man, yeah, you have so much talent. It's ridiculous. That's very kind. I, I don't know about that, um, but I've definitely, I've definitely I do though. My hand. <laughs> <laughs> you meet a lot That's of people, man, through life and stuff like that. Yeah. Uh, you know, you meet a lot of contenders and pretenders, and you get an ear for somebody who's legit in the real deal. And yeah. Definitely that, a hundred percent. Thank you. I for very one, much appreciated. You sell yourself short. Oh, man. <laughs> Thank Extremely you. I appreciate talented. that. And uh, we established uh, it yesterday that you would not get offended if I if I said you were also you're you're talented, you're intelligent, and also you're very beautiful. But I guess you're trying to say I'm the whole package, and I'm not going to disagree with you. That's <laughs> <laughs> not man. Look, we're that's why we're astounded, and you know we're you feel very lucky and good really too because we notice talent you know yeah uh that you're here with us in full force on our on our podcast yeah as we skyrocket all the way to number one <laughs> look out joe rogan no we're right. kind of different we'll, we'll be parallel uh, sure sure yeah we can keep our 100 million so you you go from chicago mm-hmm what was next after you graduated from, a, and, and it's a great background, but it wasn't given to you. Nobody gave you anything. You went in mm-hmm. and you worked and you're very, and that's been a theme of the motivational podcast we have is we've been lucky to have mentally strong people, much as yourself. We've had uh, professional athletes mm-hmm. who went through setbacks. You know, this guy, mm-hmm. they wouldn't let him on a, uh, junior college basketball team and he ends up oh wow <laughs> and then in the NFL and playing for four years and getting a pension in the NFL you know it's, wow it's less than one percent of one percent get mm-hmm. to be in the NFL so he's yeah. an incredible mental strength to get through that and yeah you've shown an enormous amount of mental strength to be able to go through all those auditions early in your career mm-hmm. you won those auditions and you won yourself a great education and you're in Chicago and you go to where? So uh, I was in Chicago. I finished Second City. I did um, I did comedy for, uh, I was at Second City for two years and then I did comedy uh, after that for a year. I was in, I was performing uh, improv all over and doing some writing. And I was in a, um, <laughs> just funny looking back now because you couldn't pay me to do this. Now right. it sounds impossible. Right. But uh, I was <laughs> in a touring um, music improv group. Got so it. we would do fully improvised um, musicals. And we actually went and performed in New York. Um, so that was really fun. Again, looking back, I, if you showed me video footage, I wouldn't believe that that was me because I can't, I don't know how I came up with shit to say, but, um, yeah, it was really, at the time it was really fun. Um, and then I wound up getting a, um, a tour. I booked a national tour, um, in, uh, Canada and the U S of a musical and I had to kind of decide, you know, do I want to, do I want to roll the dice and take a chance on this and pretty much give up my life in Chicago or do I want to really put roots down uh, here? So um, yeah, I, you know, I was 24, had been there for seven, almost eight years at that point. So I was like, all right, I'm going to, I'm going to try this. So I toured for a long time with that. We went all over uh, the U S and Canada 
Um, and that was amazing and really rewarding. And uh, that was the first time that I was living off of what I was making from right. my art, which was an incredibly, you know. Nobody ever gets to do that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I didn't, growing up, I didn't think I would ever be that fortunate. Um, so that was an incredibly rewarding feeling. Um, a, mil a million girls would kill for that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I, I mean, truly, I, yeah, I would have if I had, you know, had seen that when I was younger. Right. Um, so yeah, that was, that was an amazing experience. And then my contract ended and I had already, you know, given up my, my day job and my apartment and my, you know, pretty much my life in Chicago. My A lot of mental, mental strength to do um, that. Yeah, it, it, it was in belief, yeah, in belief but, in, in you bet on yourself. Right, which is probably I the best thing anybody can do. I, now, looking back, I can say that yes, it was. At the time, it didn't feel as uh, right as smart, but um, yeah. So I uh, I had always wanted to come out here, and I kind of felt like I was already I already had one foot out of Chicago, so I decided to um, go for it, and here I am, a little over four years later. Yeah, no, and you've had an uh, an amazing career here in LA. Uh, one that we mentioned last night, we were joking around about it. Uh, for a lot of, of us guys, uh, we grew up watching. I put the mute off when ESPN comes on. I put it on mute because you don't want to clutter your mind as you're wagering on games. Because mm -hmm. uh, you want to get to the truth, right? But uh, I've never really seen this guy talk, but I've heard him, right? And he got a $38 mm -hmm. million dollar contract with spotify and that's mm. bill simmons mm -hmm. so that's that puts you with most guys that are espn watchers that puts you in the hall of fame <laughs> <laughs> the fact that you work with uh bill simmons and yeah. you have a reoccurring world right and yeah, to this day yeah. you know you, you maintain contact and you're a great networker and you're still in contact with them so how's yeah. that whole experience uh working with bill simmons and all those people disney yeah. espn yeah um, yeah, the ringer that has been my favorite gig since being in LA. Um, they are such amazing people. And, um, Bill is one of the nicest people it's ever oh, really? been my, oh, my cool. fortune to work with. Yeah. Sure. Um, he has just for someone who has that much clout and success. Um, he's so kind and so down to earth. Um, right. we shot, we shot a short in his house where I was playing um, Jeannie Buss, the owner of the uh, Lakers. <laughs> That's crazy. And, uh, that puts you yeah. in the Hall of Fame too, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, and he just, you know, could not have been more uh, welcoming or, or just down to earth. So that it's been, and just everyone there is just such a, such a pleasure to work with. So I actually got that gig because of my friend Jason, who wrote that um, basketball musical years ago um so okay, he wound yeah. up yeah so he wound up getting scouted by the ringer came oh, out wow. here to work and then um he moved out shortly shortly after i did maybe a month or two after i did so he's brought me on um for a lot of projects i was just on the, i think it's their most popular podcast if not one of their most popular podcasts um nba desktop with jason concepcion okay. um i've been on a few times and we just maybe three weeks ago now did um a full uh disney musical about nice. the nba bubble and uh reopening disney world and um yeah it's just it's just always such a great time they're brilliant people they're really fun to work with and everyone's so nice that is awesome that's awesome yeah it's something that i notice right because sometimes you'll notice and somebody will have one 
Like you have a lot of reoccurring things. That's why I call you yeah. a winner. You go in and you win auditions, which is <laughs> impossible that a million girls would wish they would have the success you have. Yeah. As far as auditions uh, are concerned. I mean, from hy mm -hmm. hydroxy cut to uh, the Steve Harvey show. You were featured, yeah, what you do that there? Was a, yeah, that was really fun. I was on an episode, I did a segment for him. Um, they had people uh, bring in questions and you got to kind of chat and like improvise with, with Steve and um, ask his advice. So I brought, in, <laughs> I brought in some dating questions, you know, for, for young right. women and asked his advice on that. Um, and it was really fun. It, he, was very, he was very funny and off the cuff. Nice. Yeah. And you, and you hosted Find My First Love. That's another edition you I want. I did. Yeah. <laughs> that, was, that was a crazy experience. So you can watch that on Amazon Prime or on um, FYI. Okay. Uh, if anyone's, sorry for the shameless plug. If anyone's interested. No, anytime, um, man. This, this is your show. Okay. Um, but yeah, that was really crazy. So they read, this was also right before I was leaving. So it was kind of the perfect time to embark upon this journey. But I had this right. woman reach out to me and ask if I was interested in being kind of their, their bachelorette um, for it. this, for this like reality love show. Right. Um, so she asked me if there was anyone in my past that I would want to reconnect with you know, with whom I had lost touch. Right, right. Um, and I said, yes, actually, there was this um, bartender that I, Australian bartender that I was dating uh, when I was fresh out of college. Um, so this would have been, you know, three years ago. And um, we fell out of touch and I haven't been able to find him on Facebook or Instagram or anything. And I would love to reconnect. So I kind of just threw that out thinking like, oh, they have, you know, a million people for this. They don't need my story. And they thought it was so fascinating and they were able to find him and they took my story. And um, I got paid more than I've ever gotten paid for a gig <laughs> before right. to um, travel all over the world and find this guy. It was really um, oh, that sounds a weird, incredible experience. Yeah, a lot of tears, a lot of um, uh, self-exploration, <laughs> right. a lot of sleepless nights and, and journaling. Um, but it was, it was really fun and very rewarding. No, it's, it's crazy. No, it... Uh... I, you know, working late nights, right? Uh, you listen to classical music, I do. And they talk about these different stories. And there was one of the greatest composers, poets of all times mm -hmm. along those lines. Uh, and then my wife was telling me that story just the other day. She had discovered a story. And it's mm -hmm. about uh, this guy who was falsely put in an insane asylum mm. and he remembers his past love and uh after years of not seeing each other he figured out where her house was and he walks like for um, almost a two-year period and finds out where she lived and because he always remembered her from her past and she mm -hmm. had just passed away when he got there uh... So the tale of lost love never ends, mm. right? And made a whole yeah. TV show out of it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So did Thankfully, you ever find a guy or like what that. happened? We did find him. We did find him. So we, it started in Chicago where I was at the time. We flew to LA, to Sydney, to Brisbane in Australia, back to Sydney, to London, to Oslo, Norway, to Trondheim, Norway. 
And that's eventually, oh, I'm sorry, we were in Malaysia at one point too, in between right. there, somewhere in there. Um, and that we went to Kuala Lumpur. And then, uh, so we finally found him in Trondheim, Norway. He was in grad school. Um, so they had these, they called them hackers on the show, but they had like researchers basically figuring out where he was. And they were only, you know, maybe a step ahead of, of me and the producer. And it was just me and, um, you know, and a producer right. who was not that much older than I was flying all over the world, just the two of us. And she was, you know, filming, filming everything. Um, so it was quite a journey, but they did find him. We reunited and he wound up having a girlfriend. So oh, uh, I guess, maybe I shouldn't have given the spoiler away, but um, yeah, that was the <laughs> well, big. Of course, that's always happens, right? Of course, of course. I don't know like what the I- The story I just told you, the girl was dead, right? It's not of course. There's those, always, those yeah, there's always a good. twist like that. Yes. Right. But it was, it was uh, incredible. And we spent some time together as friends and we got our kind of happy ending because we were reunited. Um, yeah, it was really, and just such an amazing experience, you know, love aside. Right. No, you get to travel the world and you've done a right. lot of traveling, man. You've been everywhere. Yeah. Yeah. A million girls would kill to travel. <laughs> Maybe that should be the title. You were asking me for title ideas. It feels like you keep yeah, circling so we're back to that. Yes, we change the title to that. A million girls <laughs> would kill for the career uh, that Sarah Lynn Robinson had. But uh, nothing, nothing just happens, right? Is your your ability to process information very quickly, which man, uh, it's such a blessing that you have that. You have that intelligence and that speed in your brain to be able to process information quickly. That's why you were so good at improv and you thought of <laughs> it to say, as you would say, right? So that you have an incredible brain, you know, that, that Thank you. again, a million girls would kill to have your brain. <laughs> you're, you're mentally tough and you're tough period, but mentally tough, right? Downtown mm. Chicago, all these yeah. situations, you win, you're a winner, you're, you know, perseverance. You can break down information and situations quickly. Mm -hmm. So, question I have, two, mm -hmm. two questions. Number one, how have you handled, uh, and, and it's really hit me hard recently with uh, people that we've brought on, you know, in business and talked to in business, and uh, things that have happened in the news recently. Did mm -hmm. you think with the Harvey Weinstein uh, situation and the worst one was um, uh, Matt Lauer. Mm. And, and the reason it was worse is because uh, I wouldn't have let him get away with it. And there's a lot of guys who have not let him get away. I don't care who he is, right? Where mm -hmm. he had a lock on his office door. <laughs> Where you can't, yeah. you can't leave. I mean, that's insane. from under his desk. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. It's this really crazy wild. stuff. Right. So it wasn't just him because he can do whatever he wants. It's the mm -hmm. the people around him that allowed him to who are complicit. To, yeah. Yeah. Exactly. To get this behavior. So, mm -hmm. uh, I like. Have you been in a situation like that? And the other uh, question I have is, what would the Sarah Lynn Robinson now? tell the Sarah Lynn Robinson 10 years ago when she was a, a younger girl 10 years ago, what advice mm -hmm. would you give her? 
Yeah, that's a great question. Um, I have been in a situation like that, unfortunately. Uh, I won't go so far as to say that it was it was quite as bad as a, a Matt Lauer or Matt uh, Harvey Weinstein um, situation. Right. But um, you know, it was an older, more experienced male director right. um, who was you know capitalizing on my my inexperience. Right. And um, I, I think this is what I always tell younger women that I'm, you know, talking to at, at auditions or sets or you right. know, through any sort of like mentoring group. Um, I trust your intuition because I something felt off from the, the minute that we first connected, and I I listened to him make me these grandiose promises thinking, you know, well, he's lived in LA, he's directed, you know, an award-winning film. I have to listen to him. This is my ticket in. And, um, you know, this is my big break. And I really attached myself to that notion that all it takes is, you know, one overnight success, as you say, right. um, when that doesn't really exist. And there no, are always going to be, yeah. And there are always going to be stepping stones and you don't have to, you don't have to sacrifice your self-worth or self-confidence or safety right. to get where you want to go. If, you know, some, some asshole is, is offering you, uh, you know, a movie in exchange for whatever he may be asking you for, someone else is going to offer it to you because of your talent and not ask for anything in exchange. Um, so that's, uh, especially young women, I would just caution them to, to stick with their gut. Um, I was lucky enough that I eventually hit a wall with him and, and got myself out of the situation. But, um, I mean, you're he, tough, you're mentally tough, persevere woman. So I'm happy. Yeah. You know, you got yeah. out of that situation. Thank you. Yeah. But it was tough. You know, I was 21. I had just graduated college. I had no idea what I was doing and had, because my background was in theater, um, and this was the first person offering me a paid professional gig on a film set. Of course, I thought, you know, he said he was going to move me out here. And of course, I thought that was my my big break. Um, so but, you know, from the beginning and we went on for months, our our meetings and he made me audition and send him a million tapes. And we even shot a few days um, before things eventually fell apart. And um, and I had to, you know, take myself out of the project. But things never felt right. And I right. never felt comfortable being alone with him. And I told myself that this is what you have to do if you want to get ahead in this business. And that's oh, absolutely yeah. not true. That's right. absolutely not true. Right. Yeah. So it didn't, you know, I, I am so thankful that it didn't go as far as, you know, as it sounds like it unfortunately went for some of these other victims. Right. Um, but yeah, it was, it was a really hard, time and um he followed me for years after oh, wow. virtually not not in person um we'll I go no get him idea. if you <laughs> you're, you're part of the family the bang of brothers <laughs> you got a band of brothers now that uh they're not the type of people you really want to mess with to be honest yeah uh, yeah yeah. yeah um but yeah it was a really ex a scary experience but um I i'm thankful you know now eight years later i'm thankful to have had that because it taught me a lot. And now, you know, the first time something feels off, I'm out of there because there, nothing will ever be worth it. If, it's, no. if that's how it's making you feel, that's not, that's not your break. Mm. No, yeah. no, absolutely. Absolutely. 
and especially somebody as tough and as intelligent and as savvy as you are. So we're, we're glad you. you got out of that situation. It's totally different yeah. thing going on. And what would you tell your younger self? What, what was the best bit of advice? Yeah. Other than that, that was great. That's great stuff. They want to make sure young girls. Thank girl, you. Yeah, I hope. Uh, listen to. I hope that helps uh, someone else it will. out there. It um, will. You know, fake it till you make it. That's such cliche advice, but that's been the older I've gotten, the more I've relied on that, and I still find myself almost on a daily basis telling myself that if I, you know, am entering into um, a space where I just feel like I'm, I'm ill-prepared or ill-equipped or, you know, again, I think especially with, with women, I may show up to a job interview that I'm more qualified for than every other guy in the room. And I'm just, just inherently me as a person, but I think also, you know, a lot of us as women trying to, uh, trying to get a leg up in, in a male dominated industry, we will automatically put ourselves below everyone else and may wind up not getting the job because of that. Um, so I think, yeah. So I think you just have to go in. Um, (laughs) I I won't share this because it's very inappropriate, but it's very funny, but I had a female theater teacher tell me something my freshman year of college that has really, um, stuck with me. And, um, I, yeah, I should, I shouldn't repeat it, but it basically, you just, you have to walk into every room and think that they want to buy what you're selling, whether you believe it or not. Um, if you can make them believe it, then, you know, that's, that's where it starts. Um, so yeah, yeah no, I think. And, and yeah, and there's a great book, uh, by Oren Clack and it's called Pitch Anything. And one way to say uh, what you're saying is that never, ever, I don't care who you are, put yourself in a beta position. There's always an alpha mm-hmm. and there's always a beta. So wherever mm-hmm. you're at, you better be alpha. Anybody listening right. to the podcast, watching the stream, right? You better be alpha. Why not? Mm-hmm. If there's yeah. going to be an alpha and a beta, or if you're in a position like, uh, in an audition or what you're saying, put yourself in the alpha. Position. Right. Never put yourself in the in the beta position. Right. Uh, for example, if people are doing sales, you go to an office, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, the person you're supposed to meet is late. Walk out and tell them, "Hey, <laughs> you know when to show up on time? Come get me." And you end up, yeah. and these people end up chasing you. And, and so you're 100 percent right. right about that. Uh, yeah. You're the, you're you're the hammer. They're the nail you're the prize. Mm, Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I think that's, and again, you don't have to believe it, but if you can try to keep that in mind, it's really, that's going to be really helpful. Absolutely. Absolutely. Especially in the entertainment industry, because it is such a competitive field and, you know, actors may be a little more even, but every time I walk into any sort of casting space or production office, it's, definitely male and white dominated, unfortunately. Um, so yeah, I think as we, um, as we make, str- I'm sorry, my dog is barking. Um, no, we as him. we make, <laughs> as we make strides, you know, to, um, to change that things are, things are happening, but slowly. So I think everyone, um, you know, the diversity, uh, women and, um, you know, people of color, we need to walk in like we deserve these jobs when we may not always 
feel that we do, you know, for whatever systemic reason. Right. And, and we'll close with that because I think that's another uh, aspect that I've been sleeping on and I did not. Uh, and I think Matt Bird, who's on our Thursday podcast uh, from Florida, and he's, he's clued me in on a lot that I thought that we had progressed and we hadn't progressed. We haven't progressed mm -hmm. either in uh, female equality issues. Mm -hmm. um, I did do a, a great conference that I have on YouTube, and I'll, and I'll give you um, a few of the uh, clips from it. And we had very successful, powerful women give really good, uh, really good advice. However, uh, and you can speak to this, I have a client who, in the city she's in, she was the first female partner of a law firm in that city mm -hmm. and she you know she comes to me and says well i'm in this meeting and this guy's telling me to shut up and i'm like Teresa, you know i'm certain I'm, I'm like wait a second you graduated cum laude from your university uh you are a prominent attorney uh you have a career of 30 years you've only lost one case you're a partner at this firm you make more money wow. than this firm. How mm -hmm. in the, you know, like, now you know me under yeah. no circumstances. <laughs> you know me now, Sarah Lynn Robinson, under no <laughs> circumstances is a man in a professional setting going to tell you to shut up. Mm -hmm. Crazy. Yeah. You can't, yeah, you know, but it's, to your point, you can't, and here's me on my soapbox, and I really firmly believe this. You cannot, I don't care who you are, where you are, especially somebody like you, who's as talented, as intelligent, as mentally tough as you are, under no circumstances do you allow a man to talk over you or mm -hmm. to tell you to shut up in a, in a meeting. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, uh, you know, every woman that I have talked to has, you know, 5, 10, 15 stories like that. I had a boss that used to snap at me um, if he needed my attention. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's terrible. And I think these, Slap I'm talking about, <laughs> <laughs> I got your back. Thank you. Thank you. Um, yeah. And these are especially problems within the entertainment industry. I'm right. kind of, you know, I, I'm being very insular when I'm talking about this, but right. it's really this, you know, expands into every, um, every workplace as far as, uh, you know, women and, and minorities are, are concerned. Absolutely. So as yes, as far as we've come, we have a lot, a lot farther to go. Crazy, crazy. And on this podcast, we'll do our part to end that. Uh, diverse firms make 45% more cash flow, according to studies done by uh, Harvard and Wharton. And we have a very, very, very diverse podcast. So any final words, Sherilyn mm -hmm. Robinson? Thank you so much um, for joining us. That's an amazing career. Thank, Thank you so much you. for being so open and sharing and inspiring yeah. us. I'm inspired now. I got a lot more energy listening to you, what you've <laughs> been through and what you've been able to overcome. And yeah. you're constantly winning auditions and going all over the world. Like I said, a million girls would kill for your background <laughs> and your career. What are your final thoughts? Thank you. Uh, I just want to say hang in there. Times are really tough right now with everything going on um, in, in the world and in our country and, and with COVID. 
um, yeah, hang in there. And uh, the, as far as the entertainment industry is concerned, it will come back. Um, you know, it may be slow, but it will come back. So keep doing your art, keep being creative and keep making things. And then, um, you know, when things open back up, we need, uh, we need your, your voice. Definitely. Definitely. Yeah. And thank you so much. And, and Sarah Lynn Robinson embodies this. What William, uh, what Winston Churchill said as he got us through war, war two, and she truly believes it. And we all truly believe it. We don't just talk to talk, we walk to walk. Seeing is believing, and uh, we give you results. And Winston, Winston Churchill said, you make a life, you make a living from your labor, but you make a life from what you give. Thank you for listening to the mm -hmm. ESBC Podcast Network and our motivational podcast. If you haven't heard of Anchor, it is free. It's a podcast that I use. <clears throat> and they really do a good job for us here at the GFSN betting and team report podcast. It helps us make 70 to 80% of your bets. Now, download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started, my brothers. I'm the best there is!